Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Locked On Chiefs, and we are here for a very special show. We have a long double episode for you. Uh, Seth Kaiser's here from Arrowhead Pride. We do this every week. You all know that, but we are going to get in all the way into the details of what's going on with the Chargers, a couple of things that are leading up to some success for the Chiefs uh, in terms of causes and things that they can build on, and one thing that's an area of concern, and that's something that we think is really important and we want you guys to hear. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Tell your friends to subscribe to the show. We want to get all the way out to Chiefs Kingdom as much as we can, especially because Chris and I are both going to be in the stadium on Monday night for the Redskins game. Uh, we will be in the parking lot tailgating before that. Uh, we will have some exposure with uh, Seth Kaiser will be walking around. We'll have the guys from Arrowheads Broad with us too. We'll all be available uh, and want to interact with you guys, something that we don't get to do very often in terms of a little give and take. So thanks for listening. Make sure we're spreading the word. Get everybody that we can involved. And we are looking very forward to uh, seeing you all in that special Monday night game. Been a long time since I was at a Monday night game, so I'm looking forward to it uh, maybe a little bit more than everybody else. Uh, we are getting into the nitty-gritty today. Uh, we do have a couple of things that we need to cover. We are brought to you by my bookie. We're going to talk more to you about that, but it, it's a really special thing. And we've got the locked on promotional code that you can use at mybookie.ag. And we'll tell you about that here later. Also, make sure you're leaving an iTunes review. We have a brand new partnership that we've been talking up, and if you haven't heard about it yet, with Pro Football Focus. We had Mike Renner on earlier this week. Pro Football Focus is giving away and a subscription to their Edge product, which is stats, advanced visuals, grades, a whole bunch of stuff that's really useful for football fans. And just for leaving a review on our iTunes account for this podcast, you can be eligible to win a free subscription to their service. We're picking them out. We're letting people know that they have this, this great resource available for free. So make sure you check us out on iTunes, leave those reviews, Hit us on Locked on Chiefs on Twitter as well for any questions. Uh, had a couple voicemails. Thank you. Keep trying. Keep making your comments. We're looking for more of that from you. But right now, for today, we are going to talk directly about what's going on with these Chiefs, where they can go from here after a great start, and if they can sustain it. This is Seth Kaiser joining us now. <laughs> Alexa's pretty you. cool, though. <laughs> Welcome back. We are Locked On Chiefs. He is Seth Kaiser, and we are back again to talk about what is going on on this field. How you doing, bud? I'm doing very, very well. And can I tell you why? Please. Well, two reasons. One, and this has become something of a catchphrase of mine recently, if I were famous enough to have catchphrases, which I'm not, but I'm going to pretend I am. So this has become a catchphrase of mine recently. It's a good week to be a Chiefs fan. <laughs> and Man, it's that- been a good month. It has been. These weeks, are t- these days are turning into weeks. They're turning into months. 
Man, we are going to be looking back 16 games from now at a 19 and 0 finish, and it's going to be great. <laughs> I, I'm not ready to drop the unbridled homerism I was going to. I got to tell you, when the Chiefs went up 14 0, I was already envisioning the unbelievably homeristic article I was going to be writing that night. It was, it was going to be. I, I I don't even know what I could have possibly done, but I mean we're talking. It was going to be dripping with nineteen and zero confidence. Unfortunately, they took their foot off the gas, and I was pretty upset about that. So that's one reason it's a good week to be a Chiefs fan. And the second reason, I think I might share with you guys because uh, I think uh, in six days, I believe uh, you gentlemen will be uh, at Arrowhead. Will you not? We will all be there together. Yes, we will. <sighs> That's good stuff. Is it stuff. bad that I'm craving a, a chicken Z-Man more than the game? You know, I, I don't know, man. I can respect that. I'm I've already like been like really clear with the person who's 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 get, getting me the tickets and been so kind to me. And I'm like, you know, hey, you can join me for lunch. He's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, look, I'm gonna be at Joe's, and you're welcome to join me. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I, that's where I'm eating. That is what's going to happen. I already told my sister that too. So I, it is just—it's a great day, man. I'm sorry to waste two minutes of our time on that, but I'm just so excited. I'm excited to to see you guys. Hopefully, we'll be able to connect our schedules and at least say hi. Yeah. We'll get Hopefully, a, we'll have something portable that'll record voices, and we'll do something stupid. Yeah, that could be fun. Do a quick, uh, quick Twitter live thing. They have that now. Although I don't know the, uh, the, the reception or like the, you know, the internet around Arrowhead is notorious for, you know, being a tad slow. Well, we will find out. I'm excited as well. And, you know, I just have to drop another bomb. Q39, if you're listening, I'm going to visit your establishment for the first time. So be prepared. Dude, you don't even know. And I, and I believe I'll be with him as well. So just <laughs> have, have, so you have, may need to stock up on some food because I'm going to be ready for some barbecue. Chris, have you eaten Q39? No. Oh, you guys don't even know. Get the pork belly. Okay. I, I'm like, that I'm dead to I, I, I went there with my wife, um, uh, Joel Thorman, the, you know, the Airhead Pride guy, the, you know, Mr. Bigwig SB Nation guy. He, uh, he took my, my wife and I out for dinner there and told me to put my, put away my wallet and he was going to, you know, treat us to Casey barbecue and like order us like one of each. Well, I mean, not literally one of each, but he ordered us a lot of stuff, and everything was amazing. Q39 is unbelievably good. Like, that's like the one argument I've never seen anyone argue about the quality of the food. I'm looking forward to it. It's been a while since I was... All right, Ryan. Well, you get the pork belly. I'll get something else, and we can kind of share. Or you both get the pork belly, and you both get the ribs, and you both get some brisket. And everyone's happy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't need to spend – I'm going to spend enough money just going to the game and and (laughs) doing that right. I don't know that I need to spend that much money. That's a solid point. Hey, did we have football to talk about? (laughs) No. No. It's all food all the time. No. My uh, bad. Folks, we will get to that. Um, now that it's four minutes into this segment, hey, um, they played a game, and I know that you were happy the way it started because the guy we were just talking about started off the game with a pick, and uh, you know I, I thought Mitchell played a, a good game all the way around. But what do you think of the secondary as a whole? Um, it looked good. I've I've only reviewed the all twenty two just a little bit. Um, it looked like they did a good job. Um, I everyone was worried about Keenan Allen, and he wasn't much of a factor. 
And I mean, he had some catches. Don't get me wrong, but it they just overall seemed like they played a pretty good game on on a in a game where they didn't get nearly as much pressure on Rivers, especially early as I thought they would. It looks like this uh, rushing three and dropping eight is here to stay, huh? Until they make them change it. I mean, it's working, yeah. right? Yeah, that that's that true. really annoys me. Yeah. I know it's working, but it still annoys me because I think that that goes away from their strength, and I think it would get them uh, a better lead quicker if they started attacking more earlier in the game. I could see that too. I don't like seeing Justin Houston dropping into coverage that much. He's, I hate he's that. so he's so gifted. And you it know seems what, like though, for for all the performance we've seen out of Von Miller covering guys, though, I, I think it lends itself. And I'm trying to pick something positive out of it because I don't like seeing it either. But it lends itself to having the argument that Justin Houston is just as good an athlete as Von Miller is because Miller gets so much attention for what he does, whether it's pass rushing or dropping. Hey, Houston's just as capable. And I think a lot of people – he's the forgotten man in this defensive MVP race. He – man, Justin Houston I think should be an early defensive MVP candidate. I don't think there's – there shouldn't be any question about that. I mean, four sacks in three games, unbelievable run defense. And, yeah, there, there's some run defense issues across the board, but not to his edge. I mean, how many times per game do you laugh when they try to run to Justin Houston's edge? Because it happens to me at least four or five times a game where it's like, what are you doing? Like, it just never works. It's a, it's amazing. Even when he doesn't make the tackle, like uh, Marcus Peters had the tackle for about a two-yard gain, Houston didn't make the stop, but he did set the edge and force the running back so wide that it gave Marcus Peters time to close in. Why does anyone run to his edge? They feel that they have to just to give it a shot. I don't know because it doesn't pay off for anyone. No. It's it's amazing. Maybe maybe one in every four, maybe not even every four, one in every six or seven tries to Houston's edge is going to net you an okay gain. He's just so good. That's one reason I like I've liked seeing them swapping him and Ford um, to make it a little more unpredictable who's on what edge. So you can't just say, well, we're going to run left all game. Right. I I agree completely. And now, do you think uh, we don't know anything about what's going on with D Ford yet in terms of whether he's going to be available for this Monday night game? Uh, sure. Maybe the extra day of rest helps him. Right. But if they continue that philosophy, you got to think that flipping. Frank Zombo and Justin Houston isn't worth the effort. And I got to think that, that Houston lines up on his accustomed left side and just does what he does. I I would agree with that. Well, especially because you don't – I mean, what what reason would there be to match him up against Williams? I, I Why make it harder than it has to be? And I have no doubt that he could beat Williams at times, but Williams is one of the best in the league. And so why make it harder than it has to be? I get what you're saying, Ryan, and, and I understand your argument for both of you, but I would say that I disagree. I think that they're going to switch Zombo and, and Houston just because that way you can't just look at and say, okay, we're going to go this side because of this. I mean, yeah, they can always audible out of plays, but I think they'll still switch them up. And, and you want Houston going against Williams every once in a while just to uh, you know, make him have a change of pace. Hmm. You know, what I'm really looking forward to is I want to see them lined up together. I, I would like to see more of Ford and Houston together when he, Ford's available. Um, what they've been able to do, both of them, against guards has been very interesting, and I think it's something they can capitalize much more. Yep, they each have a sack going against a guard. Um, Ford beat him with quickness. Houston just threw him aside. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, Houston, Justin Houston's so much fun to watch. It's so great. 
watching him back. He just, I mean, you remember the play. I mean, he just, he started to go to the inside. The guard committed, and he just grabbed him by the shoulders like, no. <laughs> well, it was like Chris Jones against the Eagles two weeks ago. Yeah, it just chucked him. It was the so exact great. same type of play. Yep. Well, and we talked to Mike Renner, and I think I think the guy that's making all of this possible, and Mike pointed out that they had him graded. PFF had him graded higher, uh, even the Dante Foe last year. Seth's not going to like this. Well, Seth's going to live. No, I think he'll be fine. the The difference that that Ben Logan is making is yes! allowing all these other things to happen. Do you Sorry. like that setup? I like it so much because I, man, I've been saying. For like, Who, you know, you? like, oh yeah, I know. Did did, <laughs> did you guys know that I was a fan of the Benny Logan signing? I don't know if people no, I, I, I didn't have a clue, dude. Yeah. You know, ever since we got started with this podcast, people have been asking for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. Do you have the Chiefs or do you have the Redskins? Do you have the Steelers or do you have the Ravens? Well, let me tell you this. Where you're betting at is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why we always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in the business for years, and the rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payouts, just two business days. You know who's going to win, right? Go lay down some cash and win big today. That's why we're urging you to take a look at MyBookie.ag. You win, they pay. It's that simple. They have in-game live betting the most rewarding perks in this business and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go really easy. Join now, and MyBookie will even match your deposit up to 100% bonus up to $1,000. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's locked on, all one word. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. I also, I'm kind of fond of Mitch Morse. I don't know if you knew that. Schwartz, No, I, I got off the Schwartz Morse thing got me. No, you know what? Schwartz, you're right, though. Schwartz, Schwartz had a tough time. He's had a rough couple games. Um, he hasn't been as good. He was awesome in the preseason, so I fully expect him to rebound. But, I mean, he just he has, he has a tough time against Bosa. The Eagles gave him a bit of a tough time. He was really good against the Patriots. Um, I've got a lot of faith in him bouncing back. But, yeah, the O-line in general, it was kind of an interesting game. Um, I've, I've, I haven't done Alex's All-22. That always gives me a chance to really look at things. With the offensive line, that's one reason I do it every week because it allows me to look at multiple facets of the offense. Um, but I will say the the line in the brief reviews that I've done looked a lot better running the ball than in pass protection. Mm-hmm. I, I think everyone's seeing that. PFF is even seeing that, aren't they? I believe so. I, don't, I have no idea, though. I, I've seen some Chris, nice I know you saw the stat. I can't remember what it was, though. Yeah, they said that uh, Witzman had the best grade on the Chiefs' offensive line, uh, which nice. to me is kind of surprising. But uh, you know, it is what it is, and you know, we've we can go back and forth to PFF on how they grade on on lines. But you know, overall, I thought the offensive line, other than the pressure that they gave up, you know, when they were uh, trying to pass block, obviously, yeah, I thought they did pretty good run blocking. They opened holes enough and. Cream Hunt is just insane when it comes to breaking tackles. He's he's oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, what's it at now? Seventeen on forty-seven touches. I have no idea. There were like six on one play. I um, got a spreadsheet. Hold on. Ooh, that's what, I'll that's come back what to Renner. No, that's what Renner said yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we're talking. We're talking a third, a missed tackle on a, every third touch. 
Right. And then some plays, you don't really have the option to break a tackle. You know, when you have a couple guys hit you at the same time or when you're sent, you know, wide. Although, to be fair, he breaks tackles running wide, too. He I I mean, we we were all pretty high on Kareem Hunt during the preseason and, and after watching his film at Toledo. But I didn't think he would be this good because while the run blocking has been good, I actually did a review on him on Arrowhead Pride and. Um, I just kind of wrote about because I've had a few people say to me that, well, you know, a lot of it's the system. Uh, Andy's backs are always productive. Now, a lot of them aren't people who watch the Chiefs, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, they just see the stats. But when you watch Hunt play, his decisiveness makes up for his lack of top end speed. And really, he's faster than than was advertised. He, oh, really he really doesn't have a lot of weaknesses as a player. His 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 vision and his decisiveness make him look faster than he is, and he's already faster than, than people thought he would be. He's shifty. He can make guys miss and ruin their angles when they try to hit him, and he's so strong and powerful. Um, he he just he he's unbelievable. What really stood out watching him is his decisiveness. He sees a hole and he goes. He just there's no hesitation there whatsoever. And what I wrote about is when you think about. How much does it change? How much time do you save by seeing a hole and hitting it immediately? Maybe 0.1, 0.2 seconds? Well, think about the difference between a 4.340 and a 4.540. 0.2 seconds is a huge deal in the NFL, and I think he's saving that much time with how decisive he is. He's so good. Been so impressive. Well, he's and that's what difference. I think is the illusion that he's faster than he really is yeah. because he's all he makes that decision early. He's already accelerating to his max speed by the time everyone realizes, oh, we're going to have to chase him down. And even though some of his runaway plays, uh, and he has had a lot, I think he's like sixty-two percent are his his big plays of his yeah. total yardage. Um, but I think what you're seeing is that he's already up to speed, and and yes, some of them are getting close. But that small deficit in overall speed is made up for, like you said, by getting north and south early. Right. But I think what, one other thing that's very interesting is I remember looking and watching in the preseason, and Jeff Schwartz uh, was watching uh, the Chiefs game or was talking about it afterwards. And you know he was talking about how a tackle missed a block. Uh, and he defended the tackle and said, no, the running back missed the hole. And it was Kareem Hunt. He went outside when it was an inside play. You don't see him doing that right now. I, and, and I don't mean to make a mountain out of a molehill, but it is important that he's hitting the right holes and he's learned already. He's gotten better at what he was struggling with in the preseason because I think I saw him miss a couple of holes that looked pretty obvious. Yeah, the rookie learning curve is always interesting, but he sure has caught up quick. Right. And that's and absolutely you- true. I remember you were talking about they were in they were outside zones or they were inside zones and he was cutting them outside and what Schwartz pointed out he said the tackles don't know what he's doing they don't really have a choice. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing is I remember going back pre-draft and I'm going through and my notes on Kareem Hunt are just this. And given I don't do a whole lot of scouting in terms of college, I'll look at a little bit of college. I base a lot of what I look at on the Senior Bowl. And when you see the way he played in the Senior Bowl, you see a guy Absolutely. who can make people miss, but they weren't they weren't gross. They weren't you know, it wasn't an obvious, hey, we he made this guy miss by a mile. And, and one of my notes was can he still do this at the NFL level? Right. And when you look at what's going on now, he and Dalvin Cook lead the league in missed tackles, and they are the two that led college football last season in missed tackles. 
Mm -hmm. Both both exceptional college players. Um, one thing, uh, Brian Baldinger, who seriously, anyone who's not listening to this who isn't following him on, on Twitter should be. His his stuff is great. Um, he he pointed out that Hunt is playing better in the NFL than he did at Toledo, even, <laughs> which is crazy because it, it's all like, oh, does this translate? Does it translate? But he looks better. Which it just it blows my mind, and yeah, Dalvin Cook has looked good too. Um, two just you got a real bright rookie class this year, who I mean they they're coming in and making a huge impact at a position that people were starting to believe was dying away. Well, you see the impact Hunt has had, and having a a really good run game. And this is no disrespect to Spencer Ware, but he was nicked up down the stretch last year, and he wasn't quite as effective. And so you saw the difference because the the passing offense really couldn't do much Sunday against the Chargers. They had one big play to, to Tyree Kill, and then it was kind of just – it was a very 2016 look. You know what I mean? Um, but the offense still managed to put some points on the board, and you saw the difference between having a kind of ho-hum running offense and having a very good running offense in that same situation. And that's what Kareem Hunt provides you. He, he raises both the ceiling – and the floor of the offense. Well, and I'm using some new tools this year on my pieces on Chiefs Digest. So anybody, if you missed those, go back and check those out. And the interesting thing about Hunt is that given on the game, he's made his yards in completely different areas of the football field. You know, he was predominantly outside zone and stuff against New England. Then he comes back to the other side and given matchups, he's running left with more success. Then you look at what he did against the Chargers and all of his big runs are right up the middle, save for one. So the fact that he can be a jack of all trades and really attack any portion of the line of scrimmage is something that I don't think you have in Spencer Ware. And I think it's something that's going to pay him off and make him the starter going forward. Isn't it funny though to look back at the draft and think about how uh you know John Dorsey after day one came out and said something about Dalvin he couldn't believe Dalvin Cook was still sitting there. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean you just you look back at that now and it's just sitting you're sitting there going, Man, Ooh, is he just kind of playing the league and, and trying to get somebody to go take Dalvin Cook before they took Kareem Hunt? It certainly sounds I, like it. That definitely could be a possibility. And, I mean, to be fair, again, I mean, Dalvin Cook, I was pushing, you know, if the Chiefs had decided not to trade up, I was fine with the Chiefs drafting him in the first mm-hmm. round. I was too. Because I, I, I could see. And I think if you swapped places, I, you know, people talk about who's better. I think Hunt looks like the better player as far as creating yards on his own. But, I mean, Cook looks really good. Um, he creates yards okay. on his own too, just in different ways. Yeah, okay, so just so we're clear, Seth wanted to get Dalvin Cook instead of Patrick Mahomes. So just want to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe if we said that, people would stop yelling at me about Alex Smith. That would be amazing. Goodness. Well, hey, good luck on that one. That's not happening. Happen. People have been yelling at me. No, I actually tweeted about this. I went from people yelling at me about being an Alex Smith apologist. Now this year, people are like, ha-ha, Alex Smith is good. You know, how do you like me now? I'm like, what? What? I don't. I don't understand. I like Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding the rudder on the Alex Smith ship. Come on. I w- I was defending him throughout 2016, and all I was saying is Mahomes could start. That's all I was saying. But hey, you know what? It was a good. It was a good. Uh, it was probably his his worst game. Well, not probably. It was definitely his worst game against the Chargers. 
Well, and, and let's talk about how that, because I think we need to pay attention to this. This is something that I'm watching for when we're all in the stadium against Washington. Hopefully, you know, in real time, we'll be able to pick it apart, too. But what we've seen since week one has been a steady regression towards the 2016 Alex Smith. And I just want everybody to be aware of that, because Chris pointed out there, there was an incompletion that was called back on a penalty. So there were two deep strikes that he tried against the Chargers. But his map against the Chargers includes that one touchdown to Tariq Hill. Yep. Great pass. Yep. Beautiful accuracy. But he didn't throw it past the 10 yards the whole rest of the game other than you, that play that Chris pointed out. And if you look at the Eagles chart, it's the same thing. Just a couple just a couple shots. Almost nothing in deep and intermediate zones. Um, no, I, I agree and I find it concerning. I'm trying to, you know, here's the deal. As long as he keeps completing one out of every three or one out of every two of these shot plays, they really don't need to try more than four or five of them a game. Mm -hmm. But the the narrative that they're going deep more often is not true. They are not. Even even in the Patriots game, if you really count it out, you know they went deep as in, say, you know, intermediate and then 20-plus yards. They did that more against the Steelers in the playoff game last year than they did against the Patriots in week one. Yeah, exactly. It the only just, difference was he completed more of them. Exactly. He's been throw- – and all credit to Alex. He's been throwing the ball more accurately down the field. That's awesome. Um, but, like you said, he, he missed the one because – Hill, if that one gets led inside to him, that one down the left sideline, oh, I think he's gone. And here's the funny thing, and this is the weird thing about being a quarterback who's taking even some deep shots. The the deep ball giveth and the deep ball taketh away. Because if you miss on those and you're more likely to miss on them, it kills your completion percentage. It's the difference between, you know, 0 and 65, 70 yards. And so it's just so amazing how different the narrative about Alex could have been with just one pass change. And that's why being a quarterback is so hard. You know, and it's just something to keep an eye on. Does does Andy switch it up? Does he give him more routes to work with downfield? And then really what I think the key is, and I'm sure given that at least you've looked at the all 22, because I haven't had a chance to look at it yet in terms of bailing on pockets early, getting a little bit of happy feet and dropping his eyes. It's not just that Andy may not be calling deeper route combinations because there was there was at least one to Conley that was right for the picking that didn't get taken, yep. and I think that's something we got to keep an eye on, especially against the Redskins, who you know for all intents and purposes I didn't expect them to compete with the Raiders, but they came in and they're whooped up on them, and so I, I think they're going to get a Redskins team that's ready to come into Arrowhead, ready to go. Yep, I would I would say this with the concern the Patriots had an anemic pass rush. And the offensive line played great. And one thing that I commented is, you know, that was Alex playing really well when everything else was going really well around him. Here's what I would say as far as a regression to the mean. I don't think Alex played that much worse against the Eagles than he did against the Patriots. It's just he was under a zillion times more pressure, give or take. There's my scientific number is a zillion. Um, Thank you. Uh, but he still he still hit a few deep shots, and he made a few really gutsy plays to end the game. I mean, he 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 played well against the Eagles. I wouldn't say he played well against the Chargers. I would say he played a very average Alex Smith game. Um, but here's what I would say: when you look at the last two teams that they've played, the Eagles' defensive line is ridiculous, and their pass rush is ridiculous. They're deep and they're talented. 
You know, they, they run six or seven guys deep that can get after the quarterback. Um, the Chargers have arguably the best edge tandem to rush the passer in the game. Um, you know, neither Bosa or Engram is quite as good as like a Khalil Mack or a Justin Houston or a Von Miller, right? But the guy they have on the other side, you know what I mean? They, they, between Engram and Bosa, you have two of the best edges. Like the, that combo is so good. And they they were causing a lot of problems. And what it almost seemed like to me is we saw, if because you, you talked about a regression, I feel like we saw a regression of Alex not trusting the pocket again, which he, against the Eagles, to an extent, he did it a few times, but he was still kind of keeping his eyes up, still trying to make plays, still looking downfield. It got him killed a couple times. And what I'm concerned about is on three of the five sacks, and this is just an opinion, mind you. I got to look at the all 22 a little bit closer. It definitely looked to my eyes like Alex, because they they were all but one on three step drops, right? And on each on three of the five, there was you know one step, two step, three step, and he had a half second or a full second to get the ball out, and instead he tucked it in. And that's really concerning to me. We'll see what he does moving forward, because I get it. There was pressure there, but it wasn't like irreversible pressure. There was one third and three in particular where Kareem Hunt was coming open out of the backfield on just a short little comeback route or curl route. And he could have thrown it to him easily, but instead he he pulled the ball down. So I do want to keep an eye out on that because I don't think the Redskins have one really good pass rusher, but they don't have what the Chiefs have been facing the last couple of weeks. Well, one last note. And Chris, I want your opinion in particular because I, you mentioned it and brought it up to me. Tano Passanio played two snaps against the Chargers. And with Ooh, the injury to D Ford, yeah, I, I did too. I had to go back and look at the snap sheet. But with the injury to D Ford, Chris, do you, do you you seemed like you wanted him to play more? Do you think he does? I think he has to. I, I don't think you can go into that game and and only allow uh, Justin Houston and Frank Zombo be your two outside guys. That's asking too much from both of them. Uh, I like Zombo as a sub guy, and I like. Justin Houston, obviously, but you can't go in there and just have those two guys. Now, maybe they're able to rotate in another guy. Maybe they can, you know, use Reggie Ragland or, you know, somebody else to get rushed from the outside or, or maybe even use Sorensen to come in from the outside a little bit and give some of the, give those guys a rest. Maybe they can do something like that, but I think you have to play him. I, I think he needs to be on the field at least a little bit uh, when, they play on Monday night if Ford is not available, especially. I would agree with that. Um, one thing that I would point out is they had Alan Bailey on the edge a few times, which was interesting. Not like in like an edge edge spot. Let me clarify. <laughs> Alan Bailey at outside linebacker would make my world. That would be like a dream come true. That would be the, <laughs> that would be the greatest thing. I would freak out if that happened. Alan Bailey! Um, but they're probably not going to do that. Uh, but isn't that basically Tano Passanio, outside linebacker? I mean, his body size is... He's way more athletic. Well, that's fair. Yeah. But I, I'm just I, talking I, about I, body size and body style. Yes. They're both just beasts. Tano's more ripped, though, whereas Bailey's ripped. He's oddly ripped for a guy his size, but he's still more like Hulk. You know what I mean? Tano's more an oversized Thor, I guess. I don't know. 
Um, but no, I agree with you, Chris. I think Tano's got to play. If, if, if Ford can't go, it's time to see what the rookie can do a little bit. And honestly, he played pretty well on the edge in preseason, and he played better in preseason week three than he did in preseason week one. You know what I mean? Like, there seemed like there was progression there. Everything I've heard about him, it reminds me, not exactly, but there's some similarities there, to an LDT kind of situation where you got a guy with ton of physical skills who is very raw, but supposedly very bright. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the hope is that that guy can be coached up. Now it might have to happen a lot sooner though. It may. Well, well I'm okay. getting to that. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I know we already went away from Alex Smith, but I didn't get to make this point. Uh, and I just want to jump back to that real quick. You look at what that game plan was against the chargers and I really do think that Andy Reid went away from some of the stuff that he opened the game with. Uh, I think he coasted and, you know, yeah, I'm not saying that some of that bad play is not on Alex because it is. But I think Andy Reid really didn't help him that much. I'd have to watch the All-22 to see what the route combos were doing. But we know Andy Reid's been notorious for taking his foot off the gas. We've seen it happen before. Yeah. Well, and it was his highest run call percentage i think in two seasons it was 46 percent run was it so, really because i was going crazy because i didn't think they were running the ball enough yeah and that's the way i've been all all season but when you realize they only had 51 offensive snaps oh yeah it really really pulled it back and so when i ran the numbers 46 percent run 54 percent pass that you know what that makes sense, and that's a lower ratio than the NFL at large is. I just the I think the only reason I really noticed it was the one drive where Hunt ripped off a twenty yard run, and then they threw the ball three times and had to punt. What? That made me crazy because uh, I, I get it. You want to save the guy, you want to, but on a in a, on a game where your passing offense isn't really doing much, and your run offense is just because the Chargers could not stop Kareem Hunt, and they could not stop that offensive line. They they could for like maybe one play, but I mean they were blowing them backwards. They were doing great, and it was just like just Andy, just just keep it simple, man. And I do think that's where the loss of Spencer Ware. I like Charkendrick West as a third down back. I think he's a great team guy. I think he's a really good blocker. I think he's a good receiver, but he can't do what Hunt does. Whereas I think the loss of Spencer Ware, I think in a game like that, I think you would have seen an even higher percentage of run plays. I think you would have seen Ware running the ball too. Well, and I have to throw this out as well. You look at what they were doing, and we talked – I don't think we've actually talked about this. That uh, pitch play to Kelsey and the pitch play to Albert Wilson, that's a play that – you tell me what you think, Seth. How many different options can you run off that play? Um, I mean, I can think of at least four. I wrote – Without really char- – sorry, without really changing the uh, p- the patterns too much. Um, the, the pitch that I saw with the touchdown that they had to Kelsey, I think I put in four, if you include Alex. I'm trying to think, because you got the fake handoff, Tyreek heading left. I've got my eyes closed right now, if you can't tell. Um, Tyreek, no, Tyreek was heading right, then Hunt headed left in a read option. Yes, we can see you closing your eyes. And then Kelsey, huh, and then Kelsey went across the middle, yeah. Four options. And the thing is, it's such a new wrinkle. And you're seeing other teams start to try it, too. No, and I noticed that. But I guess my point is is that you have a play like that, and they used it once. They didn't go back to that well again the entire rest of the game. 
And to me, that's a mistake. I would say because, I, I think I think there's a good point there, but it's not like that play is all the time, right? I think they're worried. But there's so many different. Sorry, go ahead. I would just say that there's maybe there's so many different options there, and you're right. That's a tough play to stop. I would say the the danger because so far that play has been unstoppable. Anytime they've needed a first down, they've used that and they've gotten it, or they've gotten a touchdown off it. You know what I mean? They've never had that play go for negative yardage. Never had it stopped. I would say the danger is that you want all you want teams to see are, is film of what didn't work. You know what I mean? And if you've got a play like that, you don't want to underuse it. And I think because I, I agree, using it one time is a little spotty. But I do think it's good to only use it a couple, two, three times a game because I don't want teams to figure out what works. No, and I agree with that. I'm just saying I think that they could have gone back to the well two or three more times or just two times and run different wrinkles off of it because we're just talking about the normal wrinkles. That doesn't even take into account the throws that you could have off of it or Alex faking a handoff to the guy that's running around and doing a naked bootleg off to the right. Uh, well, so I'm, many waiting different. I'm waiting for that play as play action. Yep. That's so coming. It's coming like a freight yeah, train. Yeah. There's exactly. so many different directions that play can go. They're really the all you gotta do is watch it and you know, man, you could really do a a, a sort of, of, of pitch, kinda like a shovel pass but backwards to, to Tyreek as he breaks right there. There's a lot of oh, stuff absolutely. you can do. And Alex is a very good ball handler, which is an undervalued skill. If you talk about that, people laugh because they're like, Oh, well, you know, that's for a bad quarterback. No, that matters. Because it affects how varied your run game can be. And when that's what's knocking this offense into high gear, then that's what you need. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's I, I the difference love... that we're seeing this year is that the run offense has been top notch. And that that even on days when the rest of the offense is kind of sputtering, that raises the floor up considerably. Because I really think, you know, last year, that chart what we saw Sunday, if you take last year's rushing attack, what is what do the Chiefs score? Ten points, seventeen maybe? Yeah. And that's and that's if they're that's if they're lucky, really. And that might be a game that we're looking back on as a loss. Yeah, I just I, I like the different combinations you can come off, and that's such an interesting play call. Uh, and I know Reed's had other different play calls that have been very, uh, very option oriented, and I just I really like the design, and I really think that it's something that they can use uh, multiple times a game in different facets and different uh, times. Last question I have for you, Seth, before I let you go. What is your thought process? And I think I saw you tweet something about this, about why you think they kept DeAnthony Thomas and why they kept Albert Wilson. Um, I wrote an article on that talking about actually the run game. And what I did was I made a series of GIFs um, that are in the article showing – um, you know, that touchdown play, for example, to Kelsey, showing a first down run by Albert Wilson, showing a typical read option play to Kareem Hunt, um, showing a read option play that Alex kept it that had jet sweep action, showing another play where there was jet sweep action in the run up the middle. And there was like five or six plays, right? And several of them show, had Wilson or DeAnthony Thomas operating either out of the backfield or in an H-back role. Right, I don't think Thomas did the H back. I think that was just Wilson a couple times. I don't know if you know Wilson's a little bigger. You know what I mean? But 
what what I pointed out is what the Chiefs have in Hill, or not just in Hill, but in Wilson and DeAnthony Thomas. They've got guys who aren't great pure wide receivers, but they are guys who can line up in the backfield and do a good job with it. They're guys whose specific skill set is navigating traffic with the ball in their hands, much like a running back. They basically, Thomas, honestly, Dat and Wilson are running backs trapped in gadget players' bodies, really. Right? You know, Thomas, I think, man, you threw, if you threw 20 pounds on Thomas, he'd be a great running back. He's just too small, too light, yeah. too easily stopped. And Wilson, I think, honestly, I think if he could go back in time and, and practice to become a running back, I think he'd have a better career. Um, and so what they have with those guys is when you line those guys up in the backfield or at H-back, or you can you know, threaten to run jet sweeps with them, you've got a myriad of options there. And they're legitimate threats. And then, of course, you have Tyreek Hill, who's like the ultimate versatile threat in that regard. And you've got multiple guys, along with Kareem Hunt, that you can do a bunch of actions in the backfield, and every one of them is a legitimate threat. And I think that's what the running game is based around this year. And so I don't know whether it's that's what Andy Reid has, so that's what he's doing, or if that's what he's been trying to build up for a few years. But that's why I think those guys still have jobs. Well, Either way, you can ask... And you can ask Ryan, I, I actually, uh, and you know how critical I've been of Albert Wilson, but if they continue to use him the way they've used him this season, I like him in this offense. Absolutely. But, they, they, uh, they've used him he, appropriately. He had one bad play. He had one bad play because I, I think he went outside when he should have gone inside on that fake punt. But other than that, I was, I was very ha- happy with the way he played. Yep. And if they can use him like that, he's going to be great. I think he'll wow. do a good job in that role. Burt Wilson back in the good graces of Chris Clark. I wouldn't I have guessed it. Back in the good graces. Quit trying to put in my mouth like I tried to do to Seth earlier. Right, right, right. Well, we're going to forego the predictions uh, for this episode, folks. Uh, maybe look for something special on Monday's episode pregame. We'll have something for you then. But, Seth, thanks for being on with us again. Thanks for having me, guys. And, folks, thanks for listening to today's Thursday edition of Locked on Chiefs. We're brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at MyBookieAG today. Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review. And reach out to us on Twitter, at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>